Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. We're in week number two of our sermon series, Expand. We're going to be talking about this, and for a lot of us, this is a, a uh, um, kind of an oxymoron, enthusiastic giving. Not so much applause on that. Okay, um, we'll, we'll tell you, how about this? The Patriots have a worse record than the Cleveland Browns right now. Yeah, some of you get excited about that. All right, some of you are enthusiastic about sports and not Jesus. Okay, uh, we're going to be talking about expanding God's kingdom through generosity. And the subject today is enthusiastic giving. Enthusiastic giving, like I said, it's kind of like an oxymoron. You know, giving and then also being enthusiastic about giving. I have a a nine-year-old daughter. She is in third grade, and uh, she needs Jesus, so pray for her. But uh, she is great. Love Jocelyn to death, but she's growing up, and it's, it's, it's neat to see as she grows her maturity. But then there's times that, that uh, uh, it throws me off a little bit. Like, for instance, the other day, uh, Denise went to a concert, and uh, she got a, someone gave her a ticket to go to a concert downtown. And so I said, perfect opportunity for daddy-daughter date. And so I took her to Chick-fil-A. We got some Christian chicken and uh, sat across the table from each other, a big old smile. And I, and I, I thought, as, actually, as I was driving, I was like, okay, on this, this date, we're not going to talk about, you know, like, so, you know, what are our colors? Right? I mean, she's growing up, you know. I mean, you gotta got to have a little bit more mature conversation. So we're sitting across from each other. I planned out this entire conversation. I said, hey, Jocelyn. I said, uh, um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, do you want to be something when you grow up? Have you given that any thought? Or maybe is there a place that you've seen, like on TV, that you'd like to go to one day? Or do you have uh, something in your mind that you're like, man, that's, I want to do that someday. Like a dream or an aspiration of something to do one day. So have you ever thought about that? I mean, what would, what would that even look like or or have you ever thought about it? And she's kind of shaking her head up and down, like, yeah, yeah, I've thought about it. And I said, oh. I said, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And she said, well, I would like to feed tigers. And I said, oh, okay. So then my, you know, my optimistic mind, I start thinking, okay, well, let's just pick up this conversation. We'll make it a little bit more in-depth. I mean, this is where we're starting. I said, okay, so like a, a zookeeper. You love God's creation, and, and you think it's, the animals in God's creation are magnificent. And so one day you would like to showcase God's creation by being a zookeeper. And she goes, no, I just want to feed tigers. And I was like, okay, well, you know, optimism going on. I said, well, you want to be one of those people that's behind the scenes. You don't need the stage. You don't need the spotlight. You just want to be behind the scenes helping a zoo and being someone that feeds the tigers at the zoo. Is, is that, and she goes, no, I just want to be in my house with tigers and feed them. And I thought, well, maybe we'll just have this conversation some other time. Her maturity level maybe is not there. And uh, she's going to be one of those people that you find out later on, you know, they had a gorilla in their house and you're like, what? How do you, you ever heard like those news stories? That's going to be my daughter. So pray for her. She needs Jesus. The other day, though, uh, go ahead and throw the picture up on the screen. I was uh, scrolling through my news feed on Facebook, and I saw my wife posted this absolutely beautiful picture, and uh, it got my heart, 
and it was one of those ah moments, and it was this. It says, feeling the love from my girl this morning. So let me give you a little context. My wife teaches uh, elementary Spanish at the same school that my daughter attends, and her classroom is right across the hall from my daughter's classroom. So she's in third grade. Third grade class is right across the hall from where my wife teaches elementary Spanish. So she posts this and I saw, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to ask her about the story later. It says, feeling the love from my girl this morning. Aw, humble brag. Used her own little money, by the way, that she made from uh, a lemonade stand that her daddy built her. That's right. That's free. Um, used her own little money to send me a balloon. Tiger face. You notice the obsession with tigers. And uh, the balloon is orange. Uh, that is on purpose, I guarantee you. Happy Thursday, everyone. So I picked up, saw my wife later on the day. I said, oh, man, that's so cute. That's awesome. She goes, yeah, yeah, it made my heart warm at first. But then uh, I talked to Jocelyn later, and I said, Jocelyn, that was so sweet of you to bring me a balloon to my class. You bought it with your own money. You're so sweet. And she goes, yeah. She's like, I, I, I went and, and bought a balloon. And as I was walking to my class, I, I realized my teacher's probably not going to let me keep this. So I decided to give it to you. I think this happens a lot. Notice that God is our father and we are his children. And I think oftentimes, man, we think that we're such good givers. Man, we give God awesome gifts. Here you go, God. We're going to look at the maturity level sometimes of our gifts this morning. So walk through this with me as we understand that we're all children of God. But man, we can mature in our faith. And we can mature in our giving. We can mature in that. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And uh, to give you a little bit of context of 2 Corinthians, this is the second letter that we have recorded in God's Word to the church at Corinth. But somewhere in between the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth was a letter that is missing. And we're going to look a little bit at that letter because it gets mentioned in 2 Corinthians. We just don't have a copy of it. Paul here is planted a church in the city of Corinth. Corinth is not one of those towns that are was uh, considered a good town to live in. It was a very prosperous town. Uh, it was a port town that had a lot of riches. There was a, a, a lot of prosperity. It was an affluent town. But it was not a town that was known for being a very moral town. It was a very messy town, a very sinful uh, a city, uh, a place that wasn't known for being a great place. Corinth would probably be considered to, in America, as the Las Vegas. It was the sin city. Selfishness was at its peak. And Paul goes there and plants a church. But because of the power of the gospel and the power of the teachings of Paul, the church grows. Paul visits the church sometime after this and sees that even though the church is growing, their messiness in the church kind of brings him down and he gets a little discouraged because the church at Corinth was not following and actually had rebelled against some of the teachings of, of Jesus and some of the teachings of Paul. So Paul, in his frustration, comes back and he actually writes a very uh, rebukeful letter 
to the church at Corinth that we no longer have a, uh, a record of, but Paul mentions it in 2 Corinthians saying, I even sent a letter back to this church in Corinth. They were so frustrating to me. I didn't even want to do this in person because I was afraid that I was going to hurt them so bad with this rebuke that they would have just closed the doors to this church. Paul later gets a letter back from the church of Corinth that instead of the church at Corinth getting upset with Paul and rejecting the rebuke, they actually turn things around and start accepting the teachings and go from a life that was self-centered to a life of generosity. Paul gets excited because he finds out that this church in Corinth not only is excited about turning things around, but they get their resources together and get some money and pull it together. And the Bible doesn't say how large of a gift, but a very large gift was put together that they said, we need someone to come get this gift because it's so large. We want to give it towards other churches and building the kingdom of God. Paul gets so excited He can't believe that this is happening. God has worked. And now revival has spread across the church to the church at Corinth. And now there's going to be this gift that's going to help other churches spread the gospel. In fact, Titus learns from Paul and actually gets uh, 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 excited because God gives him, the Bible says in verse number, in fact, I'll, I'll read it for you. In verse number 16, he gives Titus enthusiasm for the church at Corinth. Paul writes this, but thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Because here's the thing, guys. True enthusiasm, genuine enthusiasm, can't be man-made. You ever been enthusiastic about some, Something? How many of you are enthusiastic about sports? My hands raised. Yeah. Enthusiastic about sports. Like on Saturday, yesterday when the uh, Florida Gators uh, beat uh, Mississippi State, I was enthusiastic because the Patriots are doing so bad that the only thing I have right now is Saturday to look forward to. Okay. How many Notre Dame fans we have in here? Okay. A couple Notre Dame fans. I was right. I was enthusiastic about them beating Stanford yesterday. I like Notre Dame too. How many of you in here when your husband or maybe your spouse, they get involved in sports and you're watching it and you're wondering why they can be so enthusiastic throwing the nachos at the TV set. Like you're wondering where does that passion come from? Anybody in here? You're like, okay, a couple down here on the, yeah. Where you're like, what in the world? What's the, what's the big deal? How many of you like roller coasters? Any roller coaster fans in here? Okay, yeah. Like, I remember the first roller coaster that I ever went on. My body now, my mind says I love them, and my body disagrees with my mind. Uh, How many of you have ever been to Cedar Point? Yeah, all right. Yeah, Cedar Point, the uh, capital of roller coasters. Went to Cedar Point as a seventh grader. Went on, at the time, it was the world's fastest wooden roller coaster. And I remember that now the first time I wasn't very enthusiastic because no one, I was like one of those kids that no one wanted to ride with. And so one of the, you know, the chaperones is like, all right, I'll take him. And so he takes me and he was like a roller coaster enthusiast. And so we rode on the front of the roller coaster. My very first roller coaster ever, the world's fastest wooden roller coaster, and I'm on the front. So we were like going up and my, my head was like down like this the whole time. And then I remember like looking up halfway through and going, <laughs> Wow, we're only 20% of the way. 
no, no biggie. And then getting up to the top, it was a horrible experience. But then I remember like actually starting to like roller coasters. And then recently my wife and I went back to Cedar Point with the, uh, with the teenagers and uh, with the students. And we I was like all excited, the Millennium Force or whatever it's called. We went on that and like we get to the top and I love it because I remember being made fun of as, as a kid. So I get a ch- any chance I get to make fun of another student, I do it. I try to find the student that is scared the most and get them to ride with me because of what I had to go through. And so I had a student next to me and they're like scared to death. And I'm like, <laughs> isn't this fun? No, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, oh yeah, it'll be okay. And uh, we get to the top and as we go over, I mean, the kids screaming and I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, my stomach. And I felt like throwing up. So my enthusiasm has changed a little bit. People get enthusiastic for different reasons. Different things get them to have enthusiasm. But true, genuine enthusiasm that can last forever can only come from God. Paul shows his enthusiasm to Titus, and then Titus brings one another person, he catches enthusiasm, and then they bring this gift in three other churches from the Uh, land of Macedonia, they get excited and they start to give generously all because of one church who, by the way, wasn't considered a great church decided to do one thing. And this is what that church decided to do. So how do we live a a generous life with enthusiastic giving first? We must catch the vision. We must catch the vision. You ever done something and you didn't know why you did it? Any of you ever been doing something over and over again and then you catch what the reason is of why you're doing it and you have that light bulb moment, the aha moment, and it all makes sense and it makes it a whole lot easier to do what you are doing. The church at Corinth was the same thing. They were going through the motions. They were trying their best until they caught the vision. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, in verse number uh, 8, in uh, chapter 8, verse 8, says this. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Verse number 9, you know the generous grace of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. The light bulb went on in the church of Corinth, and what they caught was the generous grace of Jesus Christ. And they realize that on this earth, it's not about the riches that you receive. It's about the Jesus that you serve. And what he did is he gave up everything. He gave up his riches so that we could be rich, not with money, but rich in the power of Jesus Christ so that we could give back to the kingdom of God. It's like the light bulb went on and they said, oh, my life is not about this world. My life is about serving Jesus Christ. It's like all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and they realize that Jesus who had everything, he get this, he had a home with his father, comfort, position at the throne of God. 
surrounded by all the praise of every angel in heaven. He was crowned with glory, prestige. He had all of these things and he gave them all up. He came to a world that was broken, lived a life of discomfort, traded prestige for mockery instead of ultimate and continuous praise from thousands and thousands of angels. Jesus, our Lord, received condemnation instead from the very world that he created. His crown of glory replaced with a crown of thorns, holiness for the sin of the world, all so that we could inherit the kingdom of God. He went from riches to rags so we could go from rags to riches. So here is the vision that the church at Corinth caught. Eternity is everything. Give what you have, not for the betterment of your own life, not for the betterment of this world, but for eternity because Christ gave everything to you so that you could have an eternity with Him. He gave up everything. It's like the Jocelyn, my nine-year-old daughter, illustration. Right now, she doesn't understand what true giving really is. There was a motive behind her giving. And the motive was not a pure motive. Poor Jocelyn. I'm not trying to like shame my daughter right now. I hope she never... Don't listen to this message online, Jocelyn. God has got to sometimes look at us, Jesus followers, and say, man, I, I really wish that my children would grow up. Because what do we do? Make a lot of money. Take that money. We build our kingdom. We worry about our kingdom. When our kingdom starts to fall apart, we try to find more resources to build up our kingdom. When something happens, I mean, everything in the world can be going good, right? Everything in the world can be going great. And as soon as we feel like our kingdoms start to crumble, the world stops and we say, how do we fix our kingdom? God says, it's not about your kingdom. It's about my kingdom. Listen, I gave you everything. I gave you everything. I went from riches to rags. I gave up a home in heaven. I gave up a position at the throne just so you could be able to expand the kingdom of God. The church at Corinth caught the vision. What did they give? They gave of themselves their time and their money. The world will tell you that time is money. But time is not money. And money is not time. Time is a resource to reach others with the gospel. And money is a tool to build the kingdom of God. By the way, I'm not saying this morning, take your money and just give it all to the church and just live in a tent in the Walmart parking lot. But all of your possessions, all that you accumulate, do you feel like it all belongs to you? Or that God gave those things to you to build his kingdom? 
I think we would all get this question right on an answer of the test, but if God was sitting before us right now and said, hey, I want you to give me everything. Everything you possess, I want it. I want all of your time. Would we do it? I would like to say that I would. That's an awful lot to give, God. I wish my heart was at this place where I could do something like that, but I got to be honest with you, and if we're all honest with ourselves, if God were to stand before us and said, I want everything, I want your career, I want your money, I want your time, And you're going to suffer, but because of it, I'm going to build the kingdom of God. Would we be willing to give up everything for him? By the way, he mostly doesn't ask that hardly ever. Because he wants you to be blessed and he wants you to have things so you could use it for the kingdom of God. But do we have a heart? Do we catch the vision Do we understand that what God wants is for his kingdom to be built? Do you know why? Because our time on earth is short. When we spend a bunch of time trying to accumulate things to have a really nice, comfortable life here on earth and not give towards the kingdom of God, it is a waste. The church at Corinth caught the vision, but... That's not enough. Number two, we can catch the vision, but we also have to practice the vision. Uh, Walt Disney said this, you can design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it takes people to make the dream a reality. There's nothing like seeing a vision or a dream become a reality. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus not only believing in what he said, but doing also what he said, then and only then can we see his promises. The Bible says this, says faith without works is dead. He says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. 2 Corinthians 8.24 says this, if you put it up on the screen, 8.24 says this, we show the world our love and prove to all the churches that our boasting of you is justified. So show them your love, Paul writes to the Corinthians. Listen, it's not just good enough to say that you love someone. It's not good enough to just say that you're generous. Generosity is not a feeling you have. Generosity is an action, just like love is not a feeling. Love is an action. In fact, in John chapter 3, verse number 16, one of the most widely read verses, widely known verses in the whole world, says this, for God so loved the world, right? For God so loved the world. Uh, the New Living Translation translates that this way. For this is how God loved the world. I always grew up on the, uh, the, the King James translation where it says, for God so loved the world. And I always read that verse as like, oh, uh, so. Like, so God looked at the world and went, oh, I so love the world. Like, oh my goodness, they're just so beautiful. In fact, when actually it's the opposite. God looked at the world and saw sin and wickedness and rebellion and, 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 and that we were basically spitting in his face and said, even though 
This world has rebelled against me. I am going to love them anyway. That word so in the Greek translates to this. In this manner. So for God, in this manner, loved the world that He, what? Gave. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son. How many of us in here, if we were asked the question, do you love the kingdom of God, would we say, yes, I love the kingdom of God? Or do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Do you love God? Yes, I love God. Do you love the world? Yes, I love the world. I care for people in the world. Do you just have an emotion where you see the world, where you see God, where you see Jesus, where you see others and say, man, I love them? Or do we give? Man, I love my church. Love is not a feeling. And God did not look at the world and go, man, I would really, really, really just like to give my only son right now. Because I just love them so much. He says, no, I don't feel this way, but in this manner, because this is what they need, I am going to give my only son for the world. And that is how God loved you and me. It's not enough to just say that we're a generous church and feel generous. It's not enough for us to just say that we get the vision and the mission of our church, but we must practice the vision. It starts with us. And then lastly, to tell the story. It's not just good enough to know the vision or practice the vision, but we need to tell the story. This one church carrying out the vision inspired an entire region of churches to give. Church in Thessalonica, the church in Philippi, and the church in Berea were all three churches in an area called Macedonia. And because of Paul telling their story, enthusiasm for giving was caught. I want you to think about this for a minute. People came to Christ because a church in Corinth, who is not considered one of the top churches, if you were to lay out like the top 10 churches from the early church. This was written about 60 to 80 years after Jesus had gone on and returned to heaven. Early church. We're talking like brand new Jesus followers. We're talking about persecution, but excitement in the air. The church in Jerusalem was being built. The church in Corinth. The church in Berea. The church in Thessalonica. The church in Philippi. All these brand new churches are up and coming, and if we were to rank them, the church in Corinth would not have been one of those churches that you would have picked. Like, if all of them were in the same area, the church in Corinth would not be the one people would want to go to attend. Had a lot of messiness. But they caught something. They caught eternity. They understood that they can actually be enthusiastic givers. They found out that it can actually be fun to say, I 
have enjoyed this. I like this, but I'm giving this up so the kingdom of God can be expanded. Can we think just for a moment as a church, what would it be like if our church put down our individual agendas, put down our own kingdom, and with outstretched open arms said, God, what can I give to expand your kingdom? It starts with one person. Every revival does. Every bit of enthusiasm starts with one person. Somebody from the church of Corinth said, I'll give, the church gives. It inspires Paul, which inspires Titus, which inspires the person they sent with Titus to go get the gift, which inspired back to the church in Corinth, which inspired Paul some more, which inspired three churches, which got written into a book that is being preached on a Sunday morning and has been preached all over this world and inspired and given enthusiasm to give of ourselves, our time and our money and our possessions to build the kingdom of God. This is not the sermon to tell you what that is or what, how much you need to give. That's between you and God and that's between you and the Holy Spirit. This is a sermon to say it is possible to give of yourself and give generously and be enthusiastic in doing it. You can. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.